What's up, my friends? Welcome to Rebel and Create's Fatherhood Field Notes podcast, where I interview incredible fathers gaining wisdom from their stories for you and I to grow in our craft. I'm your guide, Ned Shout, father to five fun kiddos, currently ages 7 to 14, and husband to one rad wife, Sarah, working on our 17th year of marriage. So yeah, I am in the thick of it, the adventure of fatherhood. I'm working daily to rebel against the low expectations for fathers and create a world where fatherhood matters. You and I have the greatest opportunity to impact our world through the way we embrace the role of fatherhood. I believe the role of fatherhood is to serve, guide, provide, protect, and have fun in the messiness of it all. Today's guest is Mike Fredericks, and this conversation really moved me. I learned so much from Mike. We talked about our worthiness. We talked about being okay with ourselves, being kind to ourselves, and how not to hide behind our spouse and our kids. Enjoy this conversation about fatherhood. If you like it, please share it. Please write a review. Help spread the word that fatherhood is critical in our world. All right, welcome to another episode of Fatherhood Field Notes. I'm really pumped to be talking fatherhood with my new friend, Mike Fredericks. What's up, Mike? Hey, Ned. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, yeah, man. I'm, I'm pumped. I'm super pumped. So our mutual friend, Skylar Lewis, had connected us. He said that you were a great dad and that I should talk fatherhood with you. Well, I appreciate that. Me and Skylar have a unique story of how we got introduced, um, a mutual friend of ours, referred me to grab lunch with him and talk to him about a bike ride I was doing across the United States to help raise money Gnarly. Uh, for for kids in Ethiopia. And uh, so I had a little lunch with him. First time I ever met him. And three days later, he called me and said, what would it look like for me and my company to sponsor a school in Ethiopia? Wow. Uh, which is no small ticket. Yeah. yeah. So he jumped in and sponsored our uh, bicycle ride across the United States. Wow. That's super cool. So when did you do that ride? Um, 2018. Okay. In the spring. Yeah. So it's been a couple of years now. How was that pretty gnarly? Oh, it was amazing. Um, so I was able to put together five riders, um, an RV driver, a producer that went with us and we basically did it relay style. So I can't take credit for riding every mile. Um, but as a team, we raised over $300,000, which was well above our goal. Wow. Yeah. Wow. What a fun yeah. story. That's really, really cool. So to get to know you just a little bit better, I'm just going to rapid fire some a few questions um, so you know the listeners can get to know who I'm talking to right now. So um, how old are you, Mike? I'm 44. 44. And how many years have you been married? Married for 17 years. Nice. And then how many kids do you have? I have five kids. I have three biological kids. Uh, my oldest, Allie, is 15. Andrew okay. is 13. Um, Addison is 10 and then we adopted twins from Ethiopia and they're seven now. Wow. Right on, right on. That's cool. So I also have five kids and the spread is close. We have an almost eight year old up to a, a 14 year old. So right in that same little, we do have twins. You, they're 11. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. You know, the challenges they're out there. Yes. Yes. The, uh, <laughs> the juggling of, of life, but it's good. So yeah. 17 years, five kids, two adopted. Um, yeah, you guys are full, full, full house. Um, what do you do for a living to provide for the family? So I started a commercial printing company when I was 19 years old. <clears throat> and so I still 
have the commercial printing company. And then we have another brand called Brand Elevate, where we do a lot of, we call them wow boxes, swag boxes for uh, software companies, ver- people running virtual events. Cool. Uh, and so that, yeah, that side of the business has been fun. Nice, nice. Yeah, that sounds really good. Um, well, cool. Well, let's talk fatherhood. When you think about being a father, you know, and you've been through a couple, di- you know, having your own, adopting, like what has been a couple of the best resources to you. So it's like, as dads are listening, you know, was there a book or was there a certain mentor or was there something that served as a, as a good resource to you? Honestly, probably my best resource and maybe my worst resource is my father. Um, yeah, he's an amazing man. He was a great father. Um, and also was a very imperfect father. Mm. And so I learned, uh, some of my best lessons and I still do. And the beautiful thing with that relationship is probably around eight years ago, it really shifted into uh, me just having uh, a love and a grace for who he is, both his strengths and weaknesses. Uh, and for him to no longer like need to be something besides who he is. Mm. Man, I can feel like there's some heaviness with that, but like a like a freedom, maybe. Oh yeah, big time freedom. We had an amazing conversation. Uh, they were in between homes and they were living with us. And uh, one evening, we had probably a two hour uh, dialogue. It still brings up emotion. Yeah, <sighs> dude, but it's just so like this, good. Yeah, it's just this understanding of who he is, hmm. um, and how that, how he raised me. Um, and he's an amazing father. Like I'm so blessed to have him and he's imperfect. Right. Just like, just like I am as a father, man. I, 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 you know, I mean, we just been talking for five minutes and, and, um, I love the rawness and the vulnerability around that because I mean, like you're 44. So that means that you were, uh, 36, 36 when this happened, you know? And, and, uh, I think for whatever reason, you know, sometimes we think that 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 impact or the not even the impact, it's like the um, and it's not power, the influence. There we go. The influence that our father still has on us as grown men is is real, right? And so I think for a couple aspects, it's really important for us to acknowledge that one because if there are things with our current, like our fathers as men that you, you and I need to go have conversations, like go do that. Like it matters, like it matters, go make that happen. And then the the flip side of that is to know that you and I as dads isn't going to end when our kid moves out of the house, like the influence and opportunity that you and I have for the remainder of our lives in our children's lives is powerful and we can't take it lightly, for sure. you know? Yeah. And I think as good as it gets is my kids coming to me when they're adults. Oh, that means that you having those conversations, yeah. which where I, where I could have, you know, done things differently. Even, uh, a lot of times it's just their own experience, right? Like my experience of my dad was just my experience. It's mm. not like right or wrong. It's not like he did something or should have, or didn't. Um, it was just my experience. So I hope all five of my kids get to come to me like that's as good as it gets wow. and have a conversation. That's really thinking legacy. I mean, that's thinking long-term, thinking general, generationally what it means to be a father, right? Because you're thinking beyond just this 20 years of them in your home. You're thinking, you're realizing this goes beyond that. 
for sure. And to me, yeah. that's what this whole thing matters to me about fatherhood, because you go, the way you and I live our lives, our words and our actions are going to impact, you know, like two, three, four generations down the line. And if we could take that in, take that to heart, I mean, we have a huge opportunity to make our world look different, you know, which yeah. is what's up. And I think fatherhood just shifts some as my kids grow older. Mm. Um, so my 15 year old, right? Like, we parent and I parent all my kids differently. Totally. I parent them uniquely for who they are. But my 15 year old, right? Like I'm way less of a, a protector and more of a guide an encourager, a listener, um, allowing some freedoms that I don't allow my 13 year old or 10 year old. And I hope that I get to be that encourager and listener and guide when I'm 70, when I'm 80, yeah. still yeah. fathering just in a unique way. Yeah. Man, it's cool that you realize that, you know, because when you're a parent, your first kid, you know, the conversation I had with my with my 14-year-old daughter is, hey, we're talking about this, but I just want you to know this is also my first time having a freshman in high school. So let's have an open dialogue about this because, like, I want to shift my role with you, but you also got to shift your role with me in a sense, right? We're both doing this for the first time. We have had that conversation, me and my oldest daughter as well. And just like, this is my first go at it. I'm going to yeah. make mistakes, but you know, let's keep the dialogue open and talk to me, you know? Yeah. And I think that's like you said, like a listener, you said that word listener. And I think as a dude, it's, it's especially hard to be a listener. Like I have to intentionally be a listener. Um, that's actually my word for the year for me personally is to be, just be a better listener. That's beautiful. Yeah. Man, so good. Okay, so when you think of the role of the father, and I know it's already kind of coming out, but but what do you think of when you think of the role of the father? So early on, I think being a protector, being a teacher, um, being a leader is like so important. And I'm in that phase, I think, with all of my kids, mm. especially my four younger ones right now, where you know it's it's really like protecting them, um, especially the young youngest two, right? Um, but I think that's starting to shift and I'm seeing the shift with my oldest one. And also my son, my 13 year old um, is just like working on being a guide and a listener. So now my conversations have changed instead of like, Hey, you did this. So here's your punishment. It's like, let's talk about that. Like that wasn't okay. You're going to have a consequence. What do you think your consequence should be for your actions? Yeah. Um, and having dialogue. And so kind of that transition and uh, it's not easy. Parenting is no joke. <laughs> yeah, serious. Well, I'd like to dig in for a second is, okay, so your youngest two are adopted, right? Mm -hmm. And you use the word protector. And I think naturally when I think of protector, I kind of just think like fighter, right? Like I love fight movies. I love war movies. I go into that. But clearly that's not what you meant when you said I'm the protector for my two seven-year-olds. There's something else there. Yeah, it's for me, it's a creating a space where they can like learn and grow and expand, um, creating that safety, right? Safety mm -hmm. in the home, mm -hmm. uh, even safety outside the home. You know, my kids, they're African-American, they're black. Um, and um, creating that environment where they're able to like become who they're supposed to become, right? And creating that safety for them to really like grow without um, having to deal with certain things that you do as you get older. Yeah. Yeah. I just think it's so key because you said it and I think not enough of us dads realize, you know, is it 
would it be cool to know how to fight? Sure. Is it nice to buy a nice house in a nice neighborhood? Sure. But to, to, to be a protector, there's so much more like I, you're creating a safe home. You're creating a safe environment to be yourself, to grow and to, to like stumble and fall and figure it out, you know? And, and like you said though, too, you know, it's not just on that emotional side, but it goes deeper too. You know, you're raising, you're raising kids with a different color skin than you have, you know? And so there's a whole nother layer of protection that you're building around your home and your family and your kids. Yeah. And it's unique. It's a, it's a cool, unique journey that I've gotten to step into. Um, you know, the conversation of Black Lives Matter and all these different things that have been coming up more recently in our time and uh, being able to have those conversations with my kid. To me, the part of protecting is is also not just creating this like bubble around my kids. Mm, dude, that's huge, right? So protecting does not, protection and creating a safe home doesn't always mean like not allowing them to still see what's going on. Right. It's not being yeah. naive or let them be naive, because I think if you look at some of our 25, 30 year olds now, they've clearly been protected from far too much in the in the wrong way. Right. Protected in the wrong way. For sure. One of the things that's kind of come up for me in conversations is with this whole covid thing is how good my generation has had it. Mm. And just overall, when you look at like history, um, the hardest thing that. I've dealt with was 9-11 and it did not impact my personal life to a large extent, Yeah, you know? Yeah. So we've had it really good and, and now we're dealing with some, some harder topics. Um, For you know, sure. Even, yeah. Even with, you know, a little story about my seven-year-old daughter, she was at a school like Christian private school. Um, and a girl said like, I can't play with you cause you're black. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah, and that makes me emotional. Yeah, but it should. The, the the cool thing as a protector is no, like I'm not going to pull her from the school. I'm going to have conversations with people, and I'm going to have conversations with her about what that looks like, um, what happened there, right? And so it was tough. It yeah. was tough to deal with. But to me, that being a protector in some ways right now is like protecting her heart, but not 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 allowing her to be exposed to the realities of what her life will look like. Those are tough calls as a dad, man. And that's where you go. You are the only one who can be that dude for her, for your kids. Right? So like you, you are the guy. I can't be the dad to your kids. You are the guy and you're making those decisions. You got to trust your instincts. You got to trust, you know, your conversations with your spouse and go, okay, this is what we're doing. This is how we're going to do it. That's huge. But I, I love that. That's what you said is, is like you're protecting their heart, but that doesn't always mean that you're protecting that, that bad stuff could still happen to some level. Like you have to be, you have to be, you know, like, yeah, you could pull them and homeschool them. Right. But then what happens when they're 22 and they move out and they're like, whoa, I just got hit with this racism that I didn't even know existed in the world, you know? And so you, you, oh man, those are tough calls, dude. That's tough. Well, and that, that's the beauty of being a father from my point of view mm -hmm. is there's no perfect guidebook. Right. Yeah. Um, and that's where my connection with like God and like internally with my gut and, you know, I know not all my decisions are perfect, but when I'm allowed to like listen to my gut, 
think calm the the emotions down right like yeah yeah um, what do i want in this instance for her what's my desire and then go ahead and act towards it and it looks different yeah but that's kind of the beauty of fatherhood is the opportunity that you and i to, to really become uh wise men and it's only going to come from a ton of hard decisions and a ton of mistakes that then you look back on and the mistakes are really the things that help shape our future decisions for sure and i think what you said your word for this year was being a listener i think that's one of the most powerful things we can do with our kids is be listeners and 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 hear beyond the words right here yeah. in their hearts yeah Dude. Okay. Um, really, really good. Okay. Uh, two questions that I've just kind of started asking. Um, what has been your greatest struggle as a father? That is a good question. Um, and I didn't prep you with this one. I mean, I got two I'm throwing no, that, at you. I love it. I love it. My greatest struggle as a father would probably, um, I don't feel like I have enough time. And sometimes when I have the time, I sometimes struggle to use it in the way I would want to as far as mm. fathering them goes. Yeah. Yeah, I've definitely had those. Those. It's like I had a stressful day at work. I don't know if this is what you're referring to, but it's like I have a stressful day at work. I come home. I bring some of it on my shoulders. I have the time, and then I get them in bed, and then I'm laying in my own bed reflecting like, ah, oh, I could have done better with that time I just had. I kind of pissed it away because – and then I'm more mad at myself. It's like if I would have just figured out how to shake off the stuff and then be there, I wouldn't be feeling this way. And it's it's that constant like getting better at it. Yeah. It's a struggle. And when I don't, yep. And when I don't live that value out, then I have this inner turmoil because I desire to. Right. And then it creates this like weird stress um, because it's like, no, I want to be that. I want to have asked better questions, have listened better, not been preoccupied with my freaking phone or, mm. you know, yeah, those kind of things. I almost think, and I don't want to use this as a scapegoat for myself or, or for anybody. But, but sometimes I think if we're having those struggles that that's good, right? That that's good. Cause we're paying attention. Um, and, and it, because I mean, you obviously have high expectations. I have high expectations. So I don't want to say it's never going to be good enough, but we're always going to be striving to be better today than we were yesterday. Right. Always. And so to a level, always. it's like, it's kind of good to maintain a little bit of that. Um, okay. Next question then as a father, what have you learned about yourself? Oh, man. I mean, my kids are my greatest mirror. Um, mm. They really have uh, shown me like weaknesses in my discipline, in my consistency with them. Um, my 10-year-old daughter will she has a beautiful little feisty personality, and she'll call me out in her own little way. Um, with like, dad, why are you looking at your phone? Or dad, like, watch this movie with me, right? And like calling me to what she desires. Mm. Um, and I love it. I love it. Yeah, dude, I love that quote. My kids are my greatest mirror. If you let it, right? So other dudes who are listening, like, if you let it, if you're paying attention, your kids are your greatest mirror. And, and they're going to help you be a better man if you let them. Totally. Yeah, 100%. And as good as, like... 
as good as it gets is 10 years from now, being able to look back and know, man, I thought I had some things figured out in fatherhood when I was 44. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And at 54, realizing how little I had figured out. Because I look back when I was 34, right? 10 years ago, I had a five-year-old, a three-year-old, and a newborn. Man, like I thought I had a few things figured out, but I didn't know much. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you look back and you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe they let me have kids with with what right. I know now. And that makes me laugh because like, what are you and I gonna say, you know, 20 years from now? We're gonna be like, oh God, remember when we were on that podcast? We thought we were so great at dadding, and now we know what we didn't know. Right. But that's like the beauty of life, you know. Your listener needs to beware. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We don't know what we're talking about right now. So, so continue listening if you want to. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Listen to us in 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. So this podcast is called fatherhood field notes and, and we're doing it right. We're open up your field notes. We're, we're open up your heart and, and we're hearing the emotion. We're hearing the good, the bad, the ugly, and, and we're able to all grow from it. And the theme behind it is rebel and create. And, and the idea with that is you and I as men, like we have fight in us. We are warriors. We are rebels, right? And a lot of times we can, we can, because we're such a consumer society, we could just consume and be rebellious in our own selfish way. You know, but if you really look at like what gets me stoked is watching a war movie where the dude's being rebellious for a cause, you know? So I want to rebel against status quo, rebel against low expectations, but then out of that, I want to create something. So, so what is something that you're rebelling against and what do you hope to create out of that? Yeah. So the big thing right now theme in my life that I'm rebelling against is that my worthiness comes from being the best father, mm. what I do, um, how, who my children are, right? Like somehow my worthiness is tied to that and unwinding that. Like to me, it's, it doesn't help me become a better father, um, and it doesn't serve me. And I know it's—I know in my mind that it's not true. My actions don't fully reflect that. So I know in my heart I don't fully believe my worthiness is not tied to like what I do and who my kids are. Man, that's really, really powerful. Because, okay, so one, we can all jump on the bandwagon and be like, yeah, man, for sure. It's not about what I do at work, right? I don't want my worthiness to be tied at work. But, you know, all the time, if we meet on the street, oh, hey, you know, Mike, great to meet you. What do you do for a living, right? So right off the bat, I mean, I freaking hate that question because <laughs> it more sizes us up, right? <clears throat> but I love that you, so that one's easier to grasp and understand. But talk to me a little bit about your worthiness based on what your, who your kids are. Talk to me more about that. Yeah. So I think, uh, sometimes like I tie who I am to who I am as a father. Like I take being a father, like very seriously. Um, it's, I even say to people like, I'm a better father, honestly, than a husband. Hmm. Um, and I'm working on reversing that because I think ideally it would be different, but that's my truth right now. Um, I feel like I'm a better father than a husband. Um, so I tie sometimes like I want people to, I want my kids to be somebody and to like show up in a certain way so that I can feel okay about myself. And mm. I almost use, can use them at times as a shield because of my own insecurities. 
and have them, you know, my son being smart and good at chess and my daughter water polo and, you know, this and that protecting me from my own self. Dude, that's so good because I do think we, we put such a high, uh, it's almost like too much on our kids sometimes. Like even with sports, like as an example, it's like we treat our kids like they're going in the NFL and we're like a small town football team. It's like, why are we all taking this so serious? Because it's about you and not about your kid, right? I mean, a yeah, lot of times 100%. we're, we're oh, like yeah. reliving through our kid or it's like, oh my, and, and I'm like, if I hear, oh, your kid got to do this, well, I want my kid to do that. <laughs> or so that's big to admit. And to say as a society, we kind of put our kids on this pedestal, but it's because it makes us feel good. I think so. Or at least I know I can do that. Which is shitty to do to our kids, right? Because it's like sometimes just let your kid be a kid and not them be your trophy. Well, the reality is our kids and our wives should never be our shield to protect us. Mm. That that goes back to the protector, right? Like. My role is to be the shield. And whenever I place my kids because of my own insecurities or pain um, it, it, as a shield, right? Like that's, that's not a go. That's no go. That's really insightful. Like this is some 90 year old guy kind of talk. What, what, what brought you to this point where these are realizations that you're having? I mean, I think reflection is one of them. Like I've journaled now pretty consistently for four years. Um, I spend time in the mornings, like in prayer, in meditation, and also in contemplation, like thinking. Um, and and then I think just, um, yeah, seeing, you know what? For me, it's always easier to see it in other people. And... Mm. And then it's like that reflection into like, okay, but, oh, shoot, where does that show up in my life? So let me ask you this. You know, as a business owner, you got a couple businesses that you're doing. You've been doing one since 19. So, you know, clearly it's working. You're doing good at it. Um, I think a lot of time in contemplation and thinking time, it's easy to just jump into like business strategy right? So how do you put that aside and go, I'm going to think about who I am. I'm going to reflect on who I am. And uh, because that's heavy, right? To look at what do I like from the past? What do I not like? What do I see that I'm becoming? So how do you ensure that you're not just spending your time on a hobby or a business and you're thinking about Mike and who Mike is? Yeah. So my mornings, I don't think anything business. Hmm. Um, I do not start my business thinking until I show up at the office. So I've purposely, I don't have a home office. I don't check emails uh, from home ever. Um, so I've kind of really set it up where when I show up at the office, I'm all business. Um, and then when I'm home, there's no work. I mean, that. Why do you care? Like, what well, you know, why did you just say this matters to me? And this is why, that, like, why do you care to do that? and be a great dad and a good husband and know yourself? Um, well, the, on the business side, the reason I wanted to be an entrepreneur and start my own business is because I wanted to have the opportunity to coach my kids' soccer teams 
and to be at their practices and see their games and be involved. And um, so that was my goal with, with starting the company. And sometimes I've run my company better than other times and had more freedom with my time than other times. Um, but there's nothing more important from my point of view to my legacy than it is being like a husband um, and a father. Like mm. when it's all said and done, right? Like I got to do this experience with a group of men where we went to a cemetery and we got to write out our eulogy and read it to each other. And nowhere in there did I state how wealthy I wanted to be or mm. what kind of car I wanted to drive or what kind of business I wanted to run. But I stayed in there like who I was as a husband, who I was as a father, who my kids became, um, what, who my friends were and what they said about me. And so for better or worse, you know, my business has never been like my only focus. Um, my, my family is like really where it's at. Hmm. Dude, I love what you're rebelling against. And it's, I mean, it's just so clear what you're wanting to create. You know, you're thinking about this long-term legacy. Um, and it's just powerful to hear because you've embraced this opportunity you have as a husband and father, you know, and you know that it's in life impacting for your kids and grandkids and great grandkids one day, you know, and if all of us men would embrace who we are to that level, dude, would we see as much homelessness or divorce or, you know, kids without fathers in the home, like all this, the stuff we see, I don't want to blame men, but I do want to say if fathers really knew who they were, like our world would look different. Yeah. I think us fathers play a massive role in that. Um, even when you look at the statistics of like the, the sh I saw a statistic about the shooters, right. That in different school shootings. Um, and I think it was like a hundred percent, like did not have a father. Um, and being a father is such a huge responsibility. Um, but also like such a privilege. Yeah, but that's life, right? Like anything great in life takes work. You know, it takes a lot of work. And now this is one of those, it's a lifelong thing, right? If I'm doing great at my job, I could see results in a week. And that's not how fatherhood works. <laughs> as soon as you start yeah. doing good, your kid changes ages and changes what they're about, you know? Right. It's always adapting because next thing you know, you thought you had it figured out how to raise a 13-year-old and then they're a 15-year-old and you think you got something figured out and now they're driving and you're like, what the heck did I sign up for? Yeah. <laughs> and then and then the other thing that you referred to when you asked a question like who like what resources have taught me how to be a father like we learn to be a father typically from our father and then next thing you know at whatever age we have children it's go time and we're like 21 26 trying to figure out how to raise a little human being it's craziness it's pretty, it's pretty crazy. Like, oh, I think about when you came home with your first kid, you know, like, I can't believe they sent me home with a baby, right? I don't know what the heck I'm doing. Yeah. I mean, I have no idea how she's still alive. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> By the fifth kid, you're, you're, you're way better. You're way better at it. Cause you're like, but, ah, they'll be fine. Yeah. The first kid, when they come out, right, you hold their neck perfectly and make sure like, and by the fifth one, you're like a doctor, right? They're like throwing them around and yeah. 
So there's a couple things I want to dig in with you, dig into with you, because, you know, as we talked and as I kind of reviewed what we're going to talk about, two things really stuck out to me. And something I'm really enjoying about our conversation is like, you're clearly in tune with yourself emotionally, you know, and uh, you had said, and, and you can get into it to whatever extent you want. But I think that that's a key piece for men is, is having that opportunity to change from, I've got to be this tough guy all the time and realize that to be open to who I am and open to maybe some pain or vulnerable things that it does help me be the toughest guy in the room, you know? Um, so you said when you adopted your twin from Ethiopia, that that had unlocked some things for you and not all of us men are going to adopt kids from another country, you know? So I don't know to what level you'd like to share some of that process because I'd love for men to be able to unlock some things that they may not be because they're, yeah. they don't have to. Yeah. For me, it was an amazing, uh, journey, a total God journey. So basically we had three biological kids and I got a vasectomy because like, what more do you need? No one needs five kids like Ned. <laughs> and so, um, all of a sudden my wife comes to me and we'd never talked adoption before in our life. Um, and she said, I keep having this reoccurring dream, uh, with our biological kids playing with these two black kids. And I think we're supposed to adopt. And up to that point, Dude, that's um, so that heavy. was, yeah. So that was probably, so we adopted them on their third birthday, basically. Um, so that was probably, and they're seven now. So maybe six or seven years ago that happened. Um, and at that time, I was a completely unemotional man. Um, didn't know how to access emotions. My wife had probably seen me cry twice in 10 or 11 years of marriage. Um, wow. And I was like when my grandfather passed and then like when my nephew got cancer. Um, but very unemotional. And so I gave her like the typical response that night and said, sounds good. I'll pray about it. Um, went to church the next Sunday um, and during worship, like our time of singing worship, God just broke my heart for the orphan. Wow. And I wept like, um, like the nasty weep, like just snot and <laughs> all a really it, sad right? cry. Yeah. yeah. No, it was just like this, like God just unlocking something hmm. inside my like heart. And for some reason, my wife wasn't at church. We're typically always there together. And I came home and got to share that with her. And it's been beautiful because that emotion has been unlocked ever since. And so I don't know a key to it, um, but I'm grateful that he chose to unlock that in me because it served me being a man. Um, it served me being a husband. It served me being a father. Being able to show emotion to my kids mm. is like massive. And I didn't before. Wow. I mean, it's like, I don't even, I don't even know what to say. Right. I mean, what an experience. And like you said, you don't know the key, you know, it's this, it's this experience. It's this opportunity that you had. But the reason why it like really stuck out to me to talk about is dude, it would scare me to death to even a to adopt, to be a foster home, you know, like I, we have friends who do that and it just scares me. I mean, just because I'm so emotional, like I can't, I can't talk about the sex trafficking stuff. I can't talk about a lot of the things that go on because it just, 
it just it just really really wrecks me i don't think i could yeah. handle it you know yeah I, there are some tough questions in adoption one of the hard things for me was will i be able to love my bio, uh, my adoptive kids the same as my biological kids and that was a tough one because who am i to adopt children and call them my own and bring them as my own and then shoot am i going to be able to love them the way i love my biological kids and you know the answer now is 100% clear like i love them exactly the same but to be honest the connection is unique and different mm. um so the love is 100% but the connection is it's different right they were 3 when they came home to me um they had three years of like these experiences and I had, and I wasn't part of those experiences with them. Right. Um, I got to hold all my biological kids when they were born, right. As babies, right. When, right. when they can't do anything for themselves. So it's unique. Do they talk about that stuff? Like when, I mean, when you're the man, you're the dad and you're part of this adoption process, do they, is there people talking to you like, Hey, or are you able to talk about that stuff with anybody or is it most of the time just kind of not talked about? No, I'm pretty open. I talk to people about it. And when people reach out, you know, because of our story and are like, Oh, we're thinking about adopting. And, you know, a lot of people will romanticize adoption and there's a lot of really hard in adoption. Um, there's a lot of brokenness and pain that you have mm. to step into and you get to step into. Uh, like I said, my adoptive kids are an amazing mirror for me as well. Mm -hmm. And then there's also just some like super cool kind of like God things for me in my adoption story. One. So my name is Michael Andrew and I named my biological son, Andrew Michael, um, so that he's named after me and my adoptive son, his name is Mikias, which in Ethiopia is Michael. And that was his name when he came to you. That was his, that's, was his name that they gave him at the orphanage. That's wow. who they named him. The, wow. the other thing is my, biolog yeah, my biological son has strabismus, which is being cross-eyed. And so he had like three eye surgeries to correct it. And Makias, we accepted the referral, which is kind of like the process of adoption. They send you okay. like some random information and you say it's weird and you say yes or no. Um, and we said yes. And then about a month later, we got a picture and Makias, my adopted son, was cross-eyed. The same no as my way. biological son had the same condition, which is a hereditary condition. And we were able to have one surgery on that and correct it. And so it's just like these cool things. Like I, I know this journey was meant for me. Yeah. And it's hard. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, I got chills. You just telling me that, you know, I just got chills because it's like, I think if we're open to it, if we're open to it, not being our own controlling king of ourselves, that there's opportunity in life. It's not that Ned's special or that Mike's special. It, uh, we are, but we're also not right. Like everybody's we're not, special. We're not that special. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, is like, if some dude's listening, there's opportunity for their life to have those kinds of moments too. You just have to be open to it and let go a little bit and, and kind of just be open to it. I mean, do you agree or, or what? 
Yeah. And to me, that's so much about fatherhood is letting go, right? Mm -hmm. Letting go of our children, holding them with open hands, not controlling the, the, the narrative of their life and who they become. Right. Um, and I think it, it starts with that. So talk to me about that statement. Hold your kids with open hands. What do you mean? I think it's easy to, for myself to want to control my kids for me. You're to probably see... the only dad in the world who feels like that. I think so. <laughs> no, <laughs> well, every and, dad's trying you, to control their kids. <laughs> right. But uh, does that serve them becoming who they were created to become? Mm. Um, and so, and I think that's an adjustment, right? Like early on, I, I hold my kids a little tighter when they're right. little newborn and when they're seven and, but now a 15 year old, like, how do I hold her? Um, do I give her freedoms and let her experience even pain? Um, I want to protect her from pain, but, and I, I don't have this one figured out. Like I'm, it's my first go at a 15 year old daughter, yeah. but I want to hold her with an open hand and allowing her to become who she wants to become and who she was designed to become and not who I want her to become. Dude, I feel your pain right now, man. Or not pain. I feel the struggle. You know, yesterday I picked up my daughter from school. She's going to school, Christian mm -hmm. school right now, that one. And, you know, tears in the car, right? And I'm a dude, right? And I'm down to cry. But I just mean figuring that piece out, you know, and it's like there's a little trouble with a friend at school. So she's crying. And my initial protection is like, screw this school, screw this town. You know, like I'm out, we're out, whatever, you know, just instant. Let's fight something. Um, but to go just to back to what you said is what I realized is we just talked. I didn't have all the answers. I shared some of my own relationship struggles. Um, and, and then what I noticed is at home, like 30 minutes later, we're in kind of like our sweats now and, and the, the weight is off. Right. And that's like that opportunity you and I talked about. There's going to be pain out in the world. But when you're in this home, there's like this safety thing that you and I have created for them, you know. And so I just I just thought I'd share it because it's, you know, it's the pain. It's the creating something safe at home. But then it's also the dad struggle of like, how would I handle this as a dude? If this was my 15 year old son, it would be different than a 15 year old daughter, you know. And it's like also our first go around at this. Totally. Yeah, but that's beautiful that you were able to create that space, right? For her to step in and, and to feel the pain of what she's feeling with her friendship, yeah. not try to just instantly solve it, instantly fix it, right? I mean, I want to go to instantly fix. Like, totally. I'm an totally. entrepreneur, I'm a fixer. I'm, you know, if I need to go, if we need to go fight someone because, <laughs> like, let's go. But does it serve them becoming, you know, and that's the piece. And that's the piece, man. Does it serve them? I think that's a great question for us to ask because we could also minimize their problems. It's like when I'm struggling with like something gnarly at work, I'm like, your problem of your girlfriend who said this thing that probably didn't mean that is easy to also discredit, which is then just screwing your opportunity to have a transparent relationship with your child, especially daughter. And to me, those are the perfect moments to parent because- what I found is I do very little parenting when me and my oldest daughter are struggling. When we're like button heads, mm. like I do very little parenting because I know it won't be heard. 
But when there's those vulnerable or fun moments where like she opens up, that's where I start like doing my parenting and kind of the guiding and the dropping in little wisdoms. And then when we're button heads, I just try to create a little space um, and not be the overbearing father. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, that's so good. That's so good. Okay. So hold your kids with an open hand and then pay attention to that through their stages and be in tune with like when you need to hold it tight and when you don't. Yeah. And I think sometimes there's times with, with our kids where we got to tighten the reins up and where I got to bring those boundaries in some and maybe hold things a little tighter than I did prior. Mm. But my goal is always to open that hand up and just allow them to become. Mm. Mm. Allow them to become. And so that's really digging back into like, what's your role? And so your role isn't to control them. Your role isn't to like, kind of what you're saying. It's not to control them. It's not to make a mini mic, you know, it's, it's to be the guide to help them become who they're supposed to be. The world doesn't need any more mini mics. <laughs> yeah. I guarantee that one. Oh, dude. We, I took, uh, I'm so, my friends tease me when we go camping or something. Cause I'm so like, Oh, let's go do this. Let's go jump off this rock. Let's go swimming over here. You know, like always want to be doing something. And I took my daughter and her friends on a hike before school started. And there was this 15 year old boy who was like that, like a mini Ned who was just, I'm like, and I had this realization like, oh, this is how my friends feel sometimes because I just am go, go, go. And so after I called my best bro, Josh, and I was like, dude, I got to apologize, man. I realized what, how annoying I could be being around. We don't need any more nets around here. <laughs> he's not even your kid, but he's a mirror for you. Look at that. <laughs> yeah, he's a mirror. Oh, I was so annoyed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm like, that's who I am. Dang it. Hey, the beauty though is you're open enough to like see that, right? Yeah. I mean, it's just because it matters. It matters. Like who we are and who we're becoming matters significantly. All right. With that in mind, I got. It's all we got, right? It's all we got. All right. I got one more thing I want to dig into for, for a minute before we dig into my last question. And, and you've kind of said it a couple times, but worthiness, you know, you talked about it as far as work goes, you talked about it as far as kids go, but I really think this is a huge thing for men is like to feel worthy. Yeah. Uh, and worthiness, right. Beyond our accomplishments and what we do. Like I have a friend who's, uh, a great CEO coach and, and coaches big businesses. Mm. And it's like, I had a conversation with him and it's like, but are you worthy? Even if you can't help them get to where they need to go. Um, am I worthy? Even if my kids don't become who I desired them to become, um, am I worthy just inside myself, like beyond anything else? Um, and for me, the answer is more yes and yes, but my actions don't fully reflect it. So I know it hasn't shifted completely yet. And maybe that's just a journey that I get to go on the rest of my life, a beautiful journey and like realizing my worth beyond what I do forever. Um, maybe there's no arrival there. Yeah, I would agree. I think that you're probably, there's probably not an arrival. So then shouldn't that Shouldn't that be freedom to then live in who I am today and do the very, you know, 
I don't know if this sounds stupid, but the very best I can. But I think sometimes it just cripples us from taking any action because we don't feel like we're worthy yet. So how do you, where's that, where's that trigger in your mind to go from not taking action because I don't feel worthy to taking action free in a free way because you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So and it's, it's, a, it's weird. It's weird. It's an interesting little like uh, dynamic there. Yeah. Yeah, because totally. I want to keep growing, right? Yeah. But as I, as I journey in this worthiness and realize it, it gives me the freedom to just go for stuff because mm. who cares? Like who cares? Who cares if I come on this podcast, my first podcast ever, and I suck and people are like, who's that guy? Um, right. But just go for it. Right. Yeah. And if I'm worthy beyond all those things then who cares about all those things, they all become minor issues. Dude, this is where I'm at, man. This is so good because I want to live free and I want other dudes around me to live free. Like be you, be, be who you want to be. It's so good. Somebody said something to me the other day and I wish I could fully remember, but he basically was like, shame on me for showing up and thinking that like Mike cared that much about what I'm doing. For example, you know, like if I come into this and I'm trying to be, oh yeah, I'm Ned, the rebel and create guy. And I'm like, it's like, I'm, am I more concerned about what you think about me than, than accepting who I am and being um, happy with who I am? You know, it's like, I'm thinking, so what it got me thinking about is when you enter a room with a bunch of men, we're all thinking about ourselves kind of selfishly. We're all thinking, well, I wonder what this guy thinks of me and I'm going to act this way, that way and the other, because I want them to think a certain way of me. How selfish of us, right? It's like, I I don't know. Do you kind of follow what I'm saying? Oh yeah. And the reality, right? Is this world doesn't need another Mike and it doesn't need another Ned. What it needs is another Mike that's fully alive and it needs a Mm. Ned that's fully alive, right? And it needs that every single one of you listeners that's fully alive. And so to me, that's the journey and the worthiness piece allows me to live more fully alive when I'm not worried because I'm fully worthy inside myself. Like I don't need to be anything to you, Ned. You don't need to be anything to me. My father, he doesn't need to be anything anymore to me. He used to. I used to have him on a pedestal. He had to like be something so I was okay with me. Now I'm okay Mm. with me. My wife doesn't have to be pleased with me. My kids don't have to be pleased with me. Like my wife says it. My wife is a, a life coach and she's amazing. And she says, you have to have your own back. And worthiness has to do for me with, I have my own back, not in some kind of like I'm on a pedestal, but like I'm okay with just who I am. Um, one of the really fun journeys is riding my bike a lot for that bike ride across the U.S., um, I would go with no earbuds because I rode on the road and you want to be able to hear cars around you. Yeah. So it was just my head. And I would go on two, three-hour rides sometimes and you just have your head. Like how kind are those six inches between your ears to you, right? And so that to me is what worthiness is about. It's like knowing inside myself, like the world needs a mic fully alive. Um but the world doesn't need Mike to create a bunch of little mics. Dude, this is so good because you being okay with you 
and also acknowledging that you have something to offer. Like you and I and everybody listening has something to offer, but you, it's like, it's like when I'm myself, I'm offering the best, you know? And I think that comes like one thing you said is how kind am I in those six inches, right? How kind am I to myself? Do I have my own back? And I think when we're being critical of ourselves and when we're worrying, you know, when we're worrying, we're not, we're not being worthy. You know, we're not okay with who we are. Yeah. Worry does not serve us in becoming who we can become. Right. That's the, that's the other side of, of kind Mm. of that, like boldness that stepping in, right. Worry, at least for me, um, and my worry oftentimes looks like confusion. Um, that's the kind of how I allow worry to hold me back from being who I was created and who I can become. Mike, I have just so appreciated this conversation um, and just wrote down a bunch of things to think about. And I just I really loved it, man. Incredible, incredible stuff. I'm going to ask you my last question. And it's a legacy question, stuff we've kind of already been talking about. But say 30 years from now. You're standing out on the street, peering into the homes of your children, and you're seeing the way that they're living their lives. What is it that you see? So again, like we said, it's not money, but your words, your actions day in and day out. When you peer in those homes and they might be married, they might have kids of their own. What is it that you see inside those homes? To be fully alive. So I hope that they're living fully alive and then that they've taken the agency that they have with the time that they have here to like become right and to step into it because we get one shot at this sucker. And so I hope that they all have their own, like I can imagine them all living around the U S right. Um, different places making me have to travel as an old man to so go see my grandkids, but like living their lives. I love these conversations because I go, the reason why this fatherhood thing is important is like, I want there to be great kids for my kids to marry one day. You know, I want there to be hope for families in the future, you know, and knowing that there's other dads out there getting up every day, grinding it out, getting better and better every day that there's hope for our future. You know, in our world's so negative and victim, sometimes, sometimes you forget that there's hope for our future, but it's guys like you who are continuing to get up every day and being who you were created to be. So dude, just, I appreciate you. I appreciate the dad you are and, and keep just inspiring the world around you, man. Uh, just incredible. Another wonderful conversation with a really rad dad. Hey, our conversation dropped there at the end. Our, our last goodbyes, the internet dropped and we lost that part of the conversation. But I just so enjoyed the conversation with Mike. I, I loved his intentionality, his passion, his wisdom around fatherhood and all that he shared with us. Really, really good stuff. Hey, every Monday I put out this Fatherhood Field Notes podcast interviewing great dads like Mike. If you're interested in something shorter, I know how full our lives can get. I put out another podcast every Friday. It falls under the same Rebel and Create, but it's called Craft of Fatherhood. And I'll discuss a question a dad might send me or just something like digging into a certain topic around the craft of fatherhood. If you can, please take a moment, write a review. If you are listening to this on iTunes, it helps spread the word that fatherhood matters. Go over to Instagram, Facebook, follow Rebel and Create. Stay in tune with all that we are doing. Thank you to all you dads out there listening to Rebel and Create's Fatherhood Field Notes podcast, What You Do Matters. Please do not be like everybody else. Be yourself. That is who your kid's spouse and community needs. 
This is your guide, Ned. Shout together, let's rebel against the view that fatherhood has little impact and create lives engaged in mastering the craft of fatherhood. Talk to you next time.